Hey Tubes, Richie here. Just wanting to know, is vegan fashion always better for the environment? Hey Tubes! Oh hey, you are listening to Hey Tubes, this awesome podcast where we endeavor to answer the question, can we save the planet but make it fashion. We are your hosts and we are Tubes Footwear founders, Jess and Steph Dadon. So today we are going to be tackling this question, is vegan fashion always better for the environment? And I feel like we have to start by saying we are vegan. We own a vegan brand. So obviously we're not biased at (laughs) all. No, so obviously (laughs) we don't buy animal products and obviously we don't want to promote buying animal products. But at the same time, we are just going to leave that one to the side for today. And really what this conversation is about is, is it better for the environment? Thinking about the climate crisis and how we can best help and more in that realm than in an animal welfare realm. So let's just get that out of the way right here and now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Perfect. Glad we got that out of the way up front. And so Tubes is a vegan label. And when we started Tubes five and a half years ago, being a vegan label was actually super controversial. And we would often get Facebook comments being like, oh, you're a vegan label. Does that mean I can eat them? And we were like, oh, very funny. And vegan labels have come a long way since then. They are a lot more common nowadays. And people often say to us, wow, how did you know about this trend? How are you so ahead thinking about a vegan label five and a half years ago when no one else was? And I think for us, just when we came to this idea of creating shoes, if anyone were to say to us, do you want to use leather? We'd just be like, no, of course not. We love animals. We weren't vegan at the time, but it wasn't ever a question for us that we would use animals. And it's actually super interesting because when we were first traveling to China to look at creating shoes, we were like, is it even possible to make things out of vegan materials? And it turns out there are these huge markets that are known as the synthetic markets. So there are the leather markets where you can go and buy all the leather, but we would go to these places and there'd be hole after hole after hole with stall after stall after stall of these materials that were all made out of synthetic materials, often just because certain things are naturally made out of synthetic materials. I don't know why this reference came to my head. It's so random, but think of a tennis ball. You wouldn't have any leather involved in that. So they already needed synthetic materials for things like that. And we just naturally thought, well, we can apply these synthetic materials to shoes. Perfect. Yeah. And like not all synthetic materials are made equal, which I'm sure we'll go into when we phone a friend later. And also 
you need to do other things in order to make your product vegan. So for example, a lot of glues have animal rennet in them and that's where often brands will run into a bit of trickiness. So it was really important for us that we had bio-based glue, which means no animals were harmed in the making of this fashion statement. But it wasn't really a thing that we even shared in the beginning of Tubes. When we were a vegan brand, we weren't saying in 2016, hey, we're a vegan brand. We were really careful about what we would use because I feel like veganism had this like negative connotation, especially in fashion. The idea of like a vegan label came to mind like a Hessian sack and that was about it. So we were really careful about the wording. So it's been pretty cool to watch the transition over the years and really be part of that conversation and part of normalizing vegan fashion. But Today, what we're really talking about is, is it actually better for the environment? Like if I see a vegan product on the market, is that my green flag waving to say, yes, come and buy me, I am safe? Or do we need to be doing more research than that? Well, yeah. And this is a really interesting consideration that we started to bring into the picture. So in the beginning for us, being a vegan label was enough. That was really where our values were. We were like, we want to be an animal friendly label first and foremost. We need to take care of nature in order to take care of animals. But what we started to think about was, well, if we care about animals, then we need to care about is a brand that isn't necessarily thinking about the environment just because they're vegan. Is that better for the environment? So love to hear your opinion on this one, Jess. Well, it's funny because I actually feel like I shied away from knowing the answer to this question for a really long time because I am vegan and we do have a vegan label. I just always felt like because of my animal standpoint, I never really needed to know the answer to this question because for me, I was just like, well, of course, I'm never going to buy leather. So why do I need to know the answer to this anyway? And do I even want to know the answer to this question? And it wasn't until about six months ago when Bianca came to me wanting to do this piece for our Instagram and blog, a kind of blog on tubes.com, where we basically answered all of our customers' questions about leather leather and the environment and whether it was good and whether it was bad. And so I had to do a really big deep dive and I was pretty apprehensive and scared of what I might find. And to my pleasant surprise, I actually learned that a lot of the time, most people believe that vegan fashion is actually better for the environment. And there are a lot of reasons why that is. Definitely encourage you to go and check out the blog post, Is Leather Better for the Environment? But something that really stood out to me was this argument that a lot of people make about animal products or leather specifically about them being natural. And they're like, isn't it better if I'm buying leather because it's natural. That means it's biodegradable. So eventually when it ends up in landfill, it will just disintegrate and then all is well in the world. Isn't that better than me buying something synthetic like a pair of tubes? And the answer is actually not at all what we expect it to be. There is actually treatment put on the animal skin to turn it into leather. So while at its rawest form, when it's just skin, it is biodegradable. And if it went into the ground, it would just disintegrate. We put all of these chemicals on it, these treatments on it that actually mean that it is essentially natural underneath, but synthetic on top, which stops it from degrading. So 
like you can see with this, you would think that there would be such a simple answer for that, but there isn't. And in actual fact, leather, I believe now after doing my research is never, ever the answer. And that vegan is always the way. What are your thoughts? So obviously putting all biases aside because I have a lot of them because I want vegan fashion always to be better for the environment. I think the thing is that while the fashion industry is a really big contributor to climate change, we know that cows and the methane they emit via their farts weird, but true, um, is actually also a really massive contributor to climate change. So I think that when we look at what materials are better for creating tubes with, we have a lot of conversations internally about, is it better to take stuff that's already in the environment, like plastic bottles and fishing nets and turn that into materials, so recycled stuff, or growing new crops and things like that. We have actually opted to go for the recycled stuff route because we don't want to be contributing all of that water and all of the resources that go into growing these new things. So we like to use things that are already existing in the environment. And I think with that same logic, animals are taking up a lot of resources to breed them, to sustain them, to feed them, to water them, all of this stuff, way more than crops and the methane gases and all of that stuff coming out of their bums. (laughs) Gross, sorry, but true. So I think that if we could create a world where we didn't need to be overproducing animals all of the time and we could just be finding really innovative solutions to create vegan fashion, I think that, yeah, that would be way better for the environment. So I think that I'm a big yes for this question. Okay, cool. So I feel like this is the perfect time to phone a friend. And today our friend is Emma Hawkinson, who is an activist. She's a writer. You might have seen her on Instagram or writing for Fashion Journal. She's also an ethics consultant. And she's the founder of this incredible not-for-profit called Collective Fashion Justice. She's a total boss and we're about to learn some serious magic from her. Let's give Emma a call. We're just so excited to learn so much from you today. And we do want to start by saying like, obviously we're vegan. So our vote is always going to be like, no, leave the animals alone. Let them have happy lives. And let's just get on with the fashion industry without them. But like, we wanted to hear from you because you're such an expert on the topic. Like, are there statistics to back this up? Is this also the right thing to do for the environment, for the climate crisis that we're in? What's the deal? Yes. So there absolutely is data to show that all animal derived materials are not only, you know, needlessly cruel, but they're also more unsustainable than their animal free counterparts when it comes to the impact of production. Obviously, that doesn't mean that a material is animal free. That doesn't make it inherently sustainable because if everything's down here, more sustainable doesn't mean sustainable. It's just not as bad. So that's important to remember. But if we look at the actual data, if we talk, you know, about leather first, while we know that there's heaps of innovative materials coming out like mycelium leather from mushrooms and cactus-derived vegan leather and all of that, if we put all of that to the side, even conventional PU synthetic leather, which is the most commonly used alternative to leather, that has a far reduced eco-impact to produce than cow skin or any other animal leather. And 
you know, it's true that PU isn't biodegradable, but neither is any tanned animal skin because that's actually the point of the tanning process to make something that's organic, which is skin, inorganic. And so there's that part. And then there's also much more to sustainability than biodegradability alone. So verified data that I calculated with my organization's Circumfauna Initiative, which is exactly for this, it's data-driven sustainability stuff. We basically worked out, and this has been published in an environmental journal, Invoke Business, that to make one pair of shoes, because we should talk about shoes, that's what you guys do a lot of, if you make one pair of shoes from cowskin leather, you're going to be using about 7,500 litres of water And that's like 14 times more if that was synthetic leather. And if you were talking about greenhouse gas emissions, that choice would be saving like 35 kilos of greenhouse gas emissions. If you look away from leather and you talk about like wool as compared to cotton, for example, we see similar problems and solutions. So using a plant-based fibre means like 27 times less greenhouse gas emissions. And in Australia, where we produce both a lot of cotton and a lot of wool, you save something absurd like 367 times more land that doesn't need to be kept cleared and that can be natural and full of natural animals and plants if you aren't using wool and are using a plant instead. So that's just like, you know, three data points, but there are countless more like that to say that, yeah, the environmental side is definitely matched with the cruelty-free side. Yay. Oh my God. I just love that you can come in here and like hit us with those statistics because like when you hear them, it's impossible to question because it's just so unequivocally clear that the right solution is to leave animals out of the equation. And like, obviously loving animals, that's such a win. And it's interesting what you touched on there about people thinking leather is biodegradable because that's something we were talking about just before you hopped on that like there's such a misconception like, oh, but it's natural so it will degrade and then it's better. And it's like, don't we know enough now to know that we know nothing and that when there's like the easiest solution that there's so much more to it than that and that we can't just assume because something is natural that it actually is biodegradable because of course us humans, we want it to be durable, we want it to last forever, we want it to maintain its beauty throughout its life. So we've like chucked all this awful stuff on top of it to make it not biodegradable. Ugh, yuck. And my mind is so blown about hearing about how much leather is actually not a natural product. And I feel like it makes so much sense that what we're seeing, like a handbag, that looks nothing like a cow. And like I, when you said that, I had these like hilarious visuals of people walking around in like literal cow skin. It's like, unless you want to actually like wear a cow's skin, a lot of stuff has to be done to it in order for it to become that leather that you're seeing. It makes so much sense that that's not natural. There's nothing natural about it. You could probably do that with anything as we can see that they're doing the same thing with pineapples or whatever. You can take anything and turn it into that. So, I mean, I think that what we hear really often from people is that, well, animals are already getting killed at the moment for meat. So we might as well actually do something useful out of their skin rather than just discarding it. We might as well use it and turn it into leather. Otherwise we're being wasteful. What is your stance on that? Is that really the case? 
So this is a super common question and it's something that Collective Fashion Justice and our Circumfauna Initiative has also published like independently verified data on. And so we actually worked out using leather industry statistics, so it can't be biased at all, it's like from them, that um, if you have a piece of skin from a cow, you're going to save emissions by not tanning that skin and by actually sending it to landfill. And that sounds really counterintuitive and wasteful, but when you think about it, if you send that skin to landfill, even when you factor in the emissions that are going to occur through like methane when, as they break down, you save emissions because you're saving on the chemical inputs and the tanning process. And also when we talk about biodegradability, like we just were, a skin is going to rot just like, you know, I'm going to rot when I die, but leather isn't going to do that. So in a lot of ways, it's better for the environment and the difference in emissions between sending skins to landfill and tanning them is the same as the emissions involved in making a pair of shoes out of vegan leather. So you may as well just be doing that because that way we're not adding profit into that slaughtering system because this is a really important thing to note. The leather industry normally buys skins from slaughterhouses. So when those skins aren't bought due to decreased demand, that slaughterhouse suffers financially. So basically, not only are we reducing the emissions by not turning it into leather, we're also divesting from this meat and dairy industry, which is the reason people are like, oh, well, it's here anyway. So we're divesting from a cruel and unsustainable system. And we're also, if we are going to have some emissions, it may as well be in producing something that is less emitting and also less cruel. That's so super interesting. I've never heard that perspective on it before. And it makes so much sense that we don't want to just be creating this excuse almost by saying to slaughterhouses, oh, it's okay. Like keep producing meat and we'll keep buying from you. That's kind of like just saying, well, Zara's already selling all these clothes. I might as well be buying them. But actually where we spend our dollars can have so much of an impact. And Jess and I actually sat down with Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, a couple of years ago. And something else she was telling us is that a lot of the time, the majority of leather in the world comes out of China and India. And a lot of the time in those places, cows are actually specifically grown for leather. So they don't actually nourish them properly. They don't feed them properly. They don't care if they have diseases because they don't actually, they, they don't have any intention of using them for meat. So you have these like skinny malnourished cows and then they're slaughtering them and purely using them for leather. So I think it's also a misconception that it's always the case is that leather is a byproduct. Often leather is being specifically grown as well. So there's just so many problems in that. Yeah, totally. And even sometimes calves come from the dairy industry and that is, you know, considered the softest leather, but sometimes luxurious fashion brands, they want the skins that have like no bug bites, no barbed wire marks, nothing. And so they're raising really young calves in pens so that that skin is, you know, as flawless as possible. And that's obviously totally unethical. So there's heaps of different there are countless reasons that you could say, yeah, let's just not do the leather thing. There's a really interesting piece, I feel, about people like when they buy leather, they're like ready to spend money. They're like, oh, like I'm going to spend 
$350 on a pair of leather boots and they're going to last me forever, right? But like that same mentality doesn't feel like it's being applied to vegan fashion. And I feel like people are comparing like these really good quality products to these like not great products. And then they're obviously not matching in their longevity because like they don't match up quality wise as well. So I wanted to ask like, is it wrong to assume that expensive leather is always better for the environment than cheaper vegan products? And like, is there something in that comparison that we're like screwing up in our mentality and we really need to be investing not in leather products, but rather in long-term vegan products for our wardrobes? 100%. I think there's a huge issue with comparing like a Prada bag with a synthetic bag from H&M and saying, oh, well, vegan leather stuff falls apart. It's like there's a lot more to it and it's often about the craftsmanship behind it. And regardless of what you make something out of, the way that you put it together is a really important factor. So people should definitely be considering longevity when they buy things and that's about how they're made, not only what it's made from. And vegan leather can absolutely be made into a really high quality piece that's going to last really well, especially if it's, you know, just as there's like cheap and more expensive animal leather, there's cheaper vegan leather and there's better quality vegan leather. And when we talk about, you know, is luxurious, expensive cow skin leather going to be better for the environment? There are so many factors involved in that question and there's also so many assumptions. So the first assumption, you know, let's say a lot of the leather that we're talking about here is probably the leather that is labelled as made in Italy. That's what everyone is like, ooh, leather made in Italy, it's a big deal. Does that mean that the cows that that leather is made from were raised and slaughtered in Italy? No. Labelling laws for the leather industry are pretty close to non-existent. And so you don't even need to know the species that this leather has been made from. That's why, you know, in the past we've seen examples of dog skin being sold by fashion brands. But not only that, we don't know where it comes from. So if something's labelled as made in Italy, it's because it's been finished in Italy. But it could have been processed in India. It could be from cattle that were grazing in cleared land in the Amazon rainforest. You know, 80% of the Amazon's destruction is because of cattle ranching and Brazil is one of the leading suppliers of both beef and raw cattle skins to the world. So it's such a complicated question because before you ask anything about like, is this leather better for the environment or not, you have to know where it's from. And most of the time a brand can't actually tell you where it's from in terms of not where it was finished, but where it's from, from like, where was that cow born? Where was it killed? Where was the leather tanned? There are just heaps, heaps of different parts involved in that question that no one really gets around to answering. Yeah. And it's almost like people don't ask the same questions necessarily of the leather industry. So people are so quick to be like, if people say this is vegan, they're like, but I'm for the environment. Like, you know, is that better for the environment? But I feel like, are you really willing to then go and ask the questions of the leather company that you want to buy from? Or are you just assuming because it's Louis Vuitton that it was made well, that it's better for the environment? Because I think we have this idea in our minds that like, 
made to last or made well means better for the environment. But I guess there are so many deeper layers to it than that. And it was really hitting me when you were saying a lot of it is about the craftsmanship that goes into it. Because I was thinking about, you know, watching a documentary like the Dior documentary and you're watching like the intricacy, the way that they make the garments, how much time they spend on a garment. It's like you could spend that much time sewing sheets together and they would look that incredible, you know, like it's not actually about the materials, the leather. I feel like that's just something that the cotton has been pulled over our eyes and we're just made to believe, ooh, buy this shiny thing. It's leather. It, therefore it's, it's incredible and expensive, but actually let's dig deeper. Let's ask the questions. Let's look at why is this thing actually luxury? And like you say, it's got nothing to do with the fact that it's made from a dead cow. So recently I did a little bit of a deep dive into the leather industry for something I was working on with tubes and something I was really surprised to learn about was like how terrible things are for the people actually working in the abattoirs and how much these people are suffering as a result of this industry. And I feel like there's a people element to killing animals like the people that are physically witnessing or physically doing the killing that is not really being talked about openly in our society just yet. Can you share a little bit about this with our listeners? Because I think it's super interesting. Yes. So I think this is such a great question and it's something I can't talk about enough. I'm definitely not asked it enough, I think, when I'm asked to talk about this sort of thing. So the reason that my organisation talks about total ethics fashion is because when we look at leather or wool or any animal-derived material, there's ecological and non-human animal harm, but there is also this human harm aspect. And when we talk about people who work in slaughterhouses, those people are more likely to face a mental health crisis called perpetration-induced stress disorder, which is actually something soldiers experience too. And it's like PTSD, except that the trauma comes from being the reason for someone else's harm rather than because someone has harmed you. And so, you know, that makes sense. If I ran over a lamb while I was driving, I would feel awful. But if I wasn't in a car and instead I was in a slaughterhouse and I had to kill not one, but hundreds of little lambs just in that one day. And it was on purpose in order to make ends meet, to feed myself, to have a roof over my head. Who isn't going to end up really mentally impacted by that? And that's why the people who work in slaughterhouses are people who, you know, no one chooses to work in a slaughterhouse. No one says, when I grow up, I want to kill animals every day. And so slaughterhouses are dangerous for humans because they are often places where refugees, marginalised people of colour, people of lower socioeconomic status, these are the sorts of people that end up working in these places because no one else wants to. And this mental health impact, unfortunately, can also spill over into communities because as well as this stress disorder, there's also a higher risk of things like alcoholism, And all of these things can come together and there have been studies that have actually shown that domestic violence, sexual assault, those sorts of violent crimes are more common around slaughterhouses. And so there's this huge mess where like animals are at the centre of the harm because they're being killed, but the people who are killing them are also being harmed by that 
And then sometimes those people are also harming their communities. So it's such a complicated problem, but it all comes back to that, like, our natural instinct isn't to do harm. And often we are doing harm because it's ingrained culturally in us, you know, the way the world is set up. But it's definitely something that we need to work to unpick because it really is hurting all of us. I think it's such an important part of this conversation because I feel like when you speak to people and they talk about what they care about and some people will be like, well, I just don't care that much about animals. So vegan fashion isn't necessarily my thing, but I really care about the people and who made the clothes. And so that's where I'm going to put my focus. And then maybe they're going to end up buying leather. But it's so interesting to hear that there's so much more to it as with everything and that if you do care about people, then you also need to care about animals. And I feel like that's the thing about the kind of way of doing things is it usually has a 360 degree kindness effect, you know, by being kinder to the animals, you're actually also being kinder to humans. Whereas if you just kind of put this lens on and you're like, I'm just going to think about this one thing. You're not thinking about the flow on effects and, and the impacts that it's having as a result. So get out there, purchase yourself something vegan and you'll feel really, really great about it. And definitely check out Emma's Insta, which we'll also put in the show notes for some vegan environmental fashion inspo because she has heaps of it. Thank you. Bye. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, tubes! So cool to hear all that info from Emma. And I love that we can just wholeheartedly say like, yes, vegan fashion is always better for the environment after chatting to her. Like sometimes I feel like where we land on questions is like "Mm, a little bit, yes, a little bit, no, a little bit, maybe. Whereas this is just like an unequivocally full body. Yes. Which is really, really great. Which is a win for us and a win for the animals. Love that. So we're going to dive in now to a little question. Question. Time. What do you find harder, buying vegan fashion or eating vegan? And before we throw to the people and hear what they have to say on that, what do you find, Jess? So I find it way harder to eat vegan food than buy vegan fashion Buying vegan fashion is actually something I implemented in my wardrobe years before becoming vegan. It was such an easy switch for me. I find being vegan like challenging and because I'm not only surrounded by vegans, people are always like eating cheese around me and making cakes and I do find it really challenging to always be saying no and resisting. So I find eating it way harder. I'm with you. I feel like vegan food is what am I going to eat every meal? I need to be thinking about it five times a day because we all eat five meals a day, right? That's totally normal. But I think that vegan fashion is more of an occasional purchase. So I'm also much easier to buy vegan fashion. Okay. So this is also a question we put to our audience and I'm so excited to hear what you guys had to say. Let's throw to some answers. 
I often find that when choosing things to wear, it's a lot harder to know what's in them. Whereas if I'm buying food from a grocery store or something, I can just check the label and figure out pretty quickly whether it contains any animal products. I eat vegan, but I don't really consider buying vegan. I'm not quite sure why. It feels quite easy for me to change my diet, but much harder for me to change my wardrobe. Whether it's supermarket or restaurant, I feel like I'm very comfortable finding vegan alternatives. So I'd have to say that vegan fashion is more challenging and that's specifically around footwear just because it seems like sneakers and sandals and things like that often have leather or suede or some other animal-derived product. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in your answers. Super interesting insights in there. We also did a poll on our Instagram and Facebook, and actually so many people said that it's harder to buy vegan fashion than it is to eat vegan food, which is the opposite of what I think. So that was just really surprising and interesting to me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you do enjoy our podcast, we would just love to ask you to hit that subscribe button so you can get new episodes in your ears each Monday. And of course, do come and join our Facebook group where Tubes are kind of community. We love to chat to you and that's where you can have your input. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. A very big thank you to our amazing podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, and our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Boonarong, Boonwarang, and Wurundjeri Woolwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.